Hello, and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing One Wicked Winter Night by Mary Jo Putney. And this is part of Seduction on a Snowy Night, which was released in 2019 and is our new release of December. It's also part of the 12 podcasts of Christmas. So yes. Merry Christmas. So this is the last of the novellas in this series, and thematically, all of them are about being abducted and snowed in on a winter night. Yeah, there's some kind of abduction going on in each of the books. It's in the, in, excuse me, the novellas. In the, the first two that we've already talked about, it was one of the parties in the couple abducted the other. Mm-hmm. And in this one... It's abduction of a different kind. It's the abduction of a different kind, But yeah. all of them involve being snowed in. Yes. So on a they, perfect... Wicked winter night. Yes. Okay. And I think this book fits into two different series. Oh. Um, there's the Lost Lords series, which mm-hmm. I have read, and the Rogues Redeemed, which I have not read. I've read neither. I will say it was pretty obvious from the text that you were supposed to have additional context yes. for the main characters, but I will give Mary Jo Putney props here. While I could tell that there were series about the other characters... She did a pretty good job of keeping the plot. Oh, I agree. Focused on the two main characters. I, agree. I don't feel like I was missing anything for starting with this one. I agree. Which I usually don't. You know, I'm usually pretty critical of romance authors and like how much they rely on the way a series builds. So like props to Mary Jo Putney. Yeah. For that. Yeah. That's that's fair. So all right, let's we're gonna start out as usual with this book jacket or something. The very first line already has me wishing I had a fucking shot. Uh yeah. Okay. Dressed as a veiled princess, Lady Diana Lawrence is shocked to discover that the mysterious corsair who tempts her away from the costume ball is the duke she once loved and lost. Now snowed in with Castleton at a remote lodge, will she surrender to the passion still burning hotly between them? I wonder, do you think she's going to surrender to it, Lane? I do. (laughs) Our random number... For this episode was fifteen. Uh, I should go first. Start. Yeah. yeah. She snowed in with the Duke she loved and left. However, could this story end? Mine is um, spoilerific, sort of. I was ready to praise this one for its honest communication. Then the end happened. Yeah. So here's the issue with this book to me. To me, there's two. There, exactly. There are two issues. And it just is, it, it, it's really hard for me to recommend this book. I thought that the premise was really nice. Like, I actually really liked the premise of this novella. Okay, so the main premise is lovers in their youth, separated largely due to shitty family stuff, mm-hmm. reunite late in life after aforementioned shitty relatives are dead. Yeah. And, like, I've read other versions of this where there's a lot of hatred and animosity and, like, it's them getting over their hurt to get back together. And I'm always a little bit bored by that because I'm, like, basically the issue is there is no conflict. You have to manufacture one. Yes. And this does not fall victim to that. Right. They're, like, civil to each other from the moment they're reconnected. And I wanted to be, like, yes, you're redoing this trope that I feel like has been done badly. Yeah. So much better. And the, the meet cute, I liked their meet cute, which is they were at a masquerade. Mm-hmm. She was masked. He was masked. They were both attracted to each other. And they were like, let's dance. They're meet they, cute in the present. In the present. And then they start, they even start like making out. And then they're like, 
holy shit, it's you! Well, I also liked that they realized it was the other from the making out. Yes! I mean, it was great. On the other hand... So, like, let's... This premise, we were both in. We were like, both I just want to establish yeah. how much work it took to lose both of us. Exactly, because we were ready to be into this novella. Yeah. And especially compared to the other ones in this compilation, in this anthology, because the other two are, are extremely convoluted, a lot of plot for novellas. And this one, like we said, did a great job of really keeping yes. the plot to the two main characters, keeping it simple. I was so here. Yeah. So we're going to jump straight to offensiveness here. Basically, there is... And we'll go back to tropes because we just have to. There's a shitload of Indian cultural appropriation that added nothing to the plot and took away a whole lot of my respect for every single character who went along with anything that had to do with it. Yeah, it was tough. And especially because it was written in 2019. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I try not to give too much of a pass based on, like, how old things are, but, like, fundamentally... I get it. If it was written 20 years ago before people started getting called out for this and it was minor, like, I'm not going to be the person to raise a stink and say a book written 20 years ago should be rewritten. To publish this in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they wear costumes and do a dance. Yeah, so they do a dance that, that she, Lady Diana, the heroine of this book, describes as a religious dance, but she doesn't even know what goddess they're portraying. Even though she lives in India for like 10 years, 12 Mm -hmm. years. Yeah, ever since leaving, what's his name? Yeah, and so the other aspect of this is there's a little bit of a white savior element. So Diana meets another English woman who's run away to India while she's in India. And they start a business together, exporting Indian goods. Yep. And they make a point of saying that like they're intentionally only taking products made by local Indian people yeah but there's a little bit of like look at us the white savior middleman getting the product mm-hmm. it was just like it was all very unnecessary oh it's so unnecessary i i mean you read these you read these books and they do look we're not denying that there was this relationship between England and India. Especially in this time period. Like, bottom right. line, we like historicals. And one of the factors of reading a historical book is recognizing that, like, the intercultural relations of the time period were shit. Yeah. But you don't have to make a point of having your characters just buy into the whole thing. Right. We prefer just, you know. Just pretending like it didn't happen. Exactly. Oh. I don't feel great about saying that, but like... it's. But th- look, we're reading this for a fantasy. Right. And... and like being forced to check you on the inaccuracies of portraying marginalized peoples historically is a lot more mental effort than I want to spend when I just want to read about two hot people falling in love. Exactly. She, she did not have to go to India. She could have gone to America. She could have gone to France. She could have gone to Germany. Well, I guess Prussia. But, you know. Whatever. Like, and she could have done... She could have done all sorts of A dance from the continent that was scandalous. Or, like, some... She didn't have to do this religious, appropriative thing. So that was number one thing that pissed us off about this book. And I probably would have gotten over it. Let's be honest. I hate myself, but there you go. Uh, The other thing... So, again, we're we're spoiling this book. This is going to be a... Spoiled right now. Spoiled? Spoiled. It's going to be spoiled. So far, you're like, all right, 
Cultural appropriation sounds like it sucks, but I'm excited to read, like, people with a former love who don't immediately treat each other like shit. Mm -hmm. Go forth and read this and think for yourself, and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode. Yeah. So why doesn't she want to marry him now, Lane? Why is she like, oh, she comes back, they hook back up, their chemistry is still there, their love is still there, everything is still there, and now the family's out of the way, so why not pick up where you left off? I... I hate it because of more than this. Okay. The answer to that question is because I guess last time she fled him, she was pregnant with his child and then miscarried and blamed herself. Makes no sense. Yep. They have several conversations about what happened in their relationship. She tells him things she's never told him before about the way his father treated Mm her. You know, she really opens up about her thinking at the time and what, you know, she might have been projecting onto him, but he wouldn't have given up the land and his father might have hurt the people and she felt like she really had to leave. But she never mentions that I was pregnant with your baby when I ran away. Mm-hmm. But more, like, that's what pisses me off about it, is, like, this book tries to get your points because of how honest it is. Yes. And then it ends up being this, like, self-loathing, I don't deserve you because my body rejected your baby. Oh, my God. And that's was... very much how it's presented. It's like no, one hundred percent. It's not me projecting this. Yeah, she's no. She says literally says this. I miscarried, and he's like, "What does that have to do with us being together now?" And she's basically like, "I can never." Apparently, she had one miscarriage, and that means that she can never carry to term ever again. No, I don't think she was saying she could never carry to term again. I think she was saying like, "I don't deserve happiness because I am a barren, bad not barren. I'm a bad woman." I was. I guess I was confused because I have no. I don't think she was thinking she physically couldn't at all. I think she was saying like. It is my moral failing that I have miscarried. So then he has to talk her through midwifery. Oh, yeah. He was like, oh, don't worry, sweetheart. 25% of all of all pregnancies end in miscarriage. And I was like, well, you know, I think that's like a modern statistic. Especially because <laughs> it counts for pregnancies that people like, don't even know happened. Yes. Ugh. It was so stupid. I went raging. It if was you could so have, I finished stupid. this last night, and I'm sure you can hear in my voice. I have not been well. I shot up off of my couch and, like, started screaming at my cat. Yeah. Like, Minx, you don't understand. Yeah, it was... And there were, like, so much about this book that I should have liked. There were so many things that that, that I liked, but these two aspects were were enough... Yeah. It, Mm -hmm. like, it just lost me so hard because I felt lied to through the whole thing. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Yes. I thought it was this very cute story. And then the last chapter is an angst factory. And add in the third sin, which is under sexiness. And then we'll go back to tropes, I promise. Oh, yeah. We can go to, we can go to sexiness. no sex in this book. Yes. Look, they get to the, they get to our, one of our favorite tropes, which is snowed in and I'm cold. So you have to, you have to take all my clothes off and warm me up in front of the fire. No sex. And then there is no, they go into bed with each other and then fade to black. And then... They're in a carriage together. And you know what they do in that carriage for like four hours? They talk. They talk about... They talk. About everything they missed over the past 12 years. Look, you I don't need to talk. I wanted to throw myself off a building. Yeah. All you've been doing for the last two weeks is talking. Yeah. And especially when you realize they definitely had sex before she left. 
and the relationship was sort of a way like the characters are really mitigating what happened between them and like progressively become more honest with themselves about how serious it was and I could have been totally here for this trope if it hadn't been a bait and switch you can find out that they definitely have had sex before Uh uh-huh and it's like especially bad because it's like they had sex and they wanted to remind like she says to him I want you to remind me if everything's as good as I remember and then the comment is like and it was and it was it's like nope F you. Yep. F you. Mary Jo Putney. Mm-mm. I Are mean, her Mary Jo. Regular she, books this PG? No. I mean, they're not. It, look, we're not talking about like Elizabeth Hoyt or Lisa Claypus here. Okay? So okay. She's not like explicit. We're not Tessa Daring this. We're not Tessa Daring this. Yeah. So she, it's not like that, but there, there is at least one explicit scene in, in every one of her books, and there was not in her novella. What were the tropes in the shitty ass book? So we talked about um, we talked about second chance romance. We talked about forced proximity. We talked about how you're gonna freeze it out. So take off all your clothes. Um, there's also the animals. They each have a cat. Oh yeah, that can like tell if you're a good person. Yeah, yeah. This is very. I mean, look. It was. I, I, I don't hate animals. No, it was actually really cute because the abduction we were talking about is he abducts her cat. I loved the way the animals were using this. Yeah. I should have liked this book, except yeah. the bad was so, was so bad. bad. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I put in tropes, ex- like objectifying the exotic. Yes. Oh yeah. Um. You've also got some intergenerational quirkiness. So like she's oh like the is, same age as her nieces. We, yeah, she for some reason and she which, and her knees are like really. Clear. I'm sure that's a bigger deal in like the books in the main series. I guess so. Yeah. And like I actually know real people for yeah. whom this is a thing. But like you can always tell it's a weird family when there's intergenerational right? quirkiness. Well, and he's got weird stuff too because he just recently discovered his bastard siblings. Well, who... one of them's not a bastard. One faked her own death. <laughs> Right. So, you know, all sorts of weird shit don't, going on with Don't these oversimplify this. <laughs> they both have big, close families now, though. But that are weird. And he's got the father who was a dastardly bad duke. And yeah. it's part of why. Oh, he also hasn't married because he hasn't been able to forget her. Yeah. Oh, which, and that's the thing. Like, this is stuff that we love. We love it. Well, and especially because... Dear listeners, we should love this. Neither were celibate, even yes. though neither found love. Yep. Uh, so but it, that's the other thing, too. Is she was never able to... She never got pregnant with any of the other guys. Yeah, she also probably was trying not to. Yeah, but I'm just saying that proves to her that, of course, she... Anyway. I don't know. I just... There's so many things individually I can praise about this, but honestly, it's racist. It's racist and The miscarriage is fucking yes. dumb. The communication issues you want to praise all fall apart in the end. Yep. And no porn. <laughs> yep. So, you know. And honestly, scale of Christmas. Yeah, tell me. How many candy canes? Two. Yeah, I was going to say there's some Christmas. They have big there. family festivities. Yeah. Obviously, you get some points for snow in most cases. But there's not really explicit Christmasing. Yeah. No, that's true. Not really explicit Christmasing. There's nothing explicit in this book. Really? Except the racism. Except the explicit racism. There's yeah. no explicit sex, no explicit conversation, no explicit Christmas. Just explicit racism. So, yeah. Yep. I would call this a very uneven novella. I would not recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it either. And to be honest, that means for seduction on a snowy night, I liked three quarters of one yeah yeah i was gonna say i liked maybe a little bit of one 
Yeah, so on the whole, I don't think I recommend the series. Yeah, sadly. And as of right now, though this could change, this is scheduled to be our Christmas Day release, so... Merry Christmas to all! And to all a good night.